So we're going to look at uh, the book of Nehemiah chapter 8. But before we read it, I'll give you some context to what um, I want to share with you today. Uh, it's got to do with our camp, you know, our camp theme. Uh, when I came back uh, and then Friday night, uh, I learned that there was two other songs. There's three camp songs and they're all very nice songs. And they're very well written. The, the, the lyrics are very good. Of course, the tune also. But, you know, it brings out very important teaching. And uh, this year's camp theme uh, comes from Corinthians. It's about thinking about the wealth of others. Right? Not stop thinking about yourself. If today we are in the Lord, we want to serve the Lord. We got to start to learn to think about others' uh, needs. All right. And so um, that's what I have to drive uh, our um, talks for the next month or so until we go into the camp is to prepare all of us so that when we come into the camp, we can start thinking about other people's wealth. All right? So that doesn't mean you think about how much money people got. Huh? <laughs> That's in the world. It can mean that, right? Think about other people's wealth. How much money you got? Can I network with you? Uh, uh, or thinking that wealth is money. Okay, that's pretty shallow, right? Of course, we know that's not what it means. Uh, to think about other people's wealth is to think about, well, what do people need to understand now how wealthy they are uh, in, in the Lord. Okay? A lot of us don't realize that. And unfortunately, Christianity today out there is all about prosperity, doctrine, how much money you can make, and you know uh, how much money you're going to die with or something like that. I don't know. Today, God's wealth wants to give us an incredible uh, wealth, all right, uh, with Him, all right? A wealth of peace, a wealth of uh, a richness of prosperity of heart and of soul to know that we don't have to fear. Today, when we have a lot of fear in our lives and in our mind, it's really we are poor, okay, because we don't know God. We don't understand the security He wants to give us, okay? So, uh, the camp is about really helping everyone to understand these things and we're going to have quite a number of visitors uh, in the camp. I mean, from foreign assemblies. Uh, we've got people from, from um, uh, uh, well, Australia, of course, uh, India, Thailand, um, uh, Indonesia, and I think from Europe, from Hungary. Saints from Hungary are coming. Uh, praise the Lord. So I think there's over 40, close to 40 saints coming. And we want to give. We want them to come in. Uh, and of course, China. I forgot China. Quite a big group from China. Uh, so we want to, to go come and get saturated and learn and then go back and then be a blessing to their own people back home. Okay. So that means today we got to learn to be a blessing to people. You know, God calls us to be blessed and God calls us to be a blessing to others and all the people say, right? So you are a blessing. You got to understand that. All right. So, uh, but the problem right now is, of course, you got to understand what is wealth. You got to understand how uh, God wants us to operate, all right? And so that's where I want to start today because it is really something that came out in the gifts today. Quite incredible, praise the Lord in the uh, in the prophecies. So in Nehemiah chapter eight here, we're going to read in verse ten. Then he said to them, "Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared." For this is a, for this day is holy to our, to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. All right. And so this here is a secret. Maybe many of us are pretty familiar with this little phrase, that the joy of the Lord is your strength. All right. And in the camp in Thailand, it became the theme. When I went there, we didn't have a theme. We didn't know what we wanted to. Uh, accomplished, but you know, through the questions, when they started asking questions, then it was so obvious that this was, uh, became the theme and we, we talked about it for four days and, uh, you know, I think the church was really, uh, blessed by it. And so today you need, all of us need to understand what the joy of the Lord, how is that our strength? Okay. So the next thing I like to point out here, Okay, is of course God wants a relationship with you and I, isn't it? But you know, your relationship with God is limited by your perception, how you perceive God, how you look at God, how you understand God. It is limited by it. 
Okay? What do I mean by that? In the Thai camp, I asked, actually, I, I sort of presume all these years that uh, they understood what it meant. They didn't understand what it meant because the translation was wrong. The Thai translation uh, was basically a Buddhist translation. And the translation came out when, when Tutu explained it. was like, God will only be happy with me when I do something good. So, you know what I mean? That's different from how I understand it in English, and I hope it's different from how you've seen it, right? Right. So, you know, if your perception of God is that God will only be happy with you if you do something good, then it's pretty limited, right? Then you're going to have a very scary relationship with God. If you're not good, then God's not going to be happy with you. Your life's going to be cursed. God's not going to be happy with you. He's not going to answer your miracle, uh, give you miracles. He's not going to answer your prayers or your needs. So you've got to be a good person first. Then why become a Christian? Because that's what's happening with Christianity out there or religion out there. Or people think, well, I don't need to have a religion. I'm good enough. I'm good so that I can go to heaven anyway. So you depend on yourself. You don't depend on God. All right. So when, of course, when I understood that, then we sort of went into depth and uh, it's really opened um, a lot of things for the saints there, for the church there. It was a blessing to me. And so I hope it's going to be a blessing to us all here uh, this morning also that you must really understand what this verse means, that the joy of the Lord, okay, is your strength. Okay. And from there, you know, it will open blessings in your life. God wants to bless your life. God wants to bless your life not because of what you can do. Right? If God can only bless your life from with what you can do and what you accomplish, you don't need God. Right? You don't need Jesus. Right? And your life will be a struggle. Right? And, and praise the Lord for today's testimony. You know, uh, Brother Martin gave a very, very, uh, I think, uh, appropriate Testimony and Sister Lani also. Okay. Your perception of God limits your relationship with God. If your perception of God is that He is a God that is only a disciplinarian, legalistic, wants you to follow rules and laws, and you must do this or do that, I don't know, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, you've got all this superstition out there, right? then you are limiting God in your life. Right? God wants to free us. He wants to bless us. Okay? So, let's go to another scripture. I'd like to go to, um, well, Deuteronomy chapter 3. Second, uh, sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 3. Second Corinthians chapter 3. It's in the New Testament. I'd like to read to you from verse 4. And we have such thrust, trust through Christ towards God. So today, God wants us to have a relationship with Him, an intimate relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus came to do for us. Now, I, I don't know whether you understand, uh, uh, you know, uh, to help you understand it a bit clearer, my relationship with my own natural father was never close, was never intimate. Right? I, I think I mentioned before, frankly, when he came home, when I was young, I used to run to my room, lock, lock the room in case he, so he doesn't come in and wake me up. So when I grew up, I never wanted to ask him anything. I dare not ask him for anything. I tried to do everything myself. Right? So it was a very limited relationship. And so today, your idea of God might be the same. If you never had a good father or close relationship or you don't know what intimacy really is, right? Then you don't know how to get close to God, right? You will never know how to get close to God because we are limited by our relationships that we have with people, all right? And God is saying, today... All that is broken. You must break through all that. Jesus came to die on the cross so that your trust with God is through Jesus. It's not through yourself. It's not through someone else. Like what uh, Pastor was Andy was uh, sharing in the, in the communion today. It's not through the pastor. It's not through somebody else. You can now have a direct, intimate, 
relationship with God, right? As your father, all right? And he wants to give us everything he promised us in the Bible and all the people say. But your relationship is limited today if you don't understand that. If today you come to God with all this painted thinking, painted thinking, okay? Verse 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Okay? Your sufficiency is from God. Now, today, right, I think there was another gift. There's no condemnation today for those who walk in the Spirit, who are in Christ, who walk in the Spirit. Today, when you are born again and you are Spirit-filled, God is telling us today, okay, he wants to bless you. You are his daughter. You are his son. Stop being afraid. Stop relying on somebody else. Stop relying on your old thinking because your old thinking will limit you from what God and how God wants to bless you in your life. Verse 6. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, this is very important because the principle here is that today, you know, a lot of people's idea of relationship with God is through the law, Ten Commandments. If I don't follow the Ten Commandments, God's going to be angry with me. The Ten Commandments wasn't for God's benefit. If God tells you, don't kill, don't lie, don't don't uh, commit adultery, is it for His benefit or for, for who? For your benefit or for His benefit? For your own benefit. Correct? God gave the law to teach the children of Israel some values for their own good, for their own society good, for their own family good, for their own relationship good. But men don't understand that. And today when you reduce your relationship with God through all these regulations and legalities and all that, then, you know, we, we can dumb ourselves down. Right? It's sometimes like I say, you know, when I go overseas and you see people crossing the road, uh, in the middle of the night, uh, there's a red man down there, a red man there, no cars, no one around. It's like maybe one o'clock in the morning and the per- person is standing there waiting for the red man to turn to green. Uh, is that a bit funny? It's a bit funny, right? But I can tell you it's probably a Singaporean or a Japanese. <laughs> because that's how we, that's how we, we think. Right? 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 One o'clock in the morning, nobody, no car, nothing, red man cannot cross the road. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Then you see, that is the kind of relationship you can have with God and you can impose that kind of relationship with others. Right? Because it's all rules and regulation. But we don't understand the context of the regulation or the rules. Okay? So, that's what I'm trying to get across. Okay, so today the joy of the Lord is our strength. So what is the joy of the Lord? Let's go to uh, Psalms 149, verse 4. For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. The Lord takes pleasure in you. When you are born again and you have the Holy Spirit, our Father takes pleasure in you. He will beautify the humble with salvation. He wants to make us into very beautiful beings with the salvation He's given you, the assurance, the guarantee that He's given you. The joy of the Lord is God's pleasure. God takes pleasure in us. My relationship with my natural father, I grew up thinking that I need to perform. If I don't perform, I don't get uh, the right marks or I don't do well in whatever in his eyes, I'm condemned. What does that do? Does it give you confidence? It doesn't give you confidence. It destroys you as a person. It will destroy you as a person. If you are a parent, you understand what I mean. If you have children, 
And your children are confident that you love them, not because they can perform, but because they are your children. You give them real confidence. The joy of the Lord, that is the joy of the Lord. You must understand, okay, this very honored place that you've been given when you got baptized and you received the Holy Spirit and you spoke in tongues. That's why the Bible says you are the saints of God. You know, I've met Christians out there who, who laugh at the thought that we call ourselves saints. They think we are being arrogant. We're not being arrogant. It's about how you see yourself and how you see the people in the church. Whether you see them as a saint or you see them as a disappointment. If you see a saint as a disappointment, then you are judging according to your values. If we see now someone, regardless of how rich, how poor, how clever, whatever, they have ability, no ability. And we see this person as a person that God loves, that God takes pleasure in. And God says, make this person wealthy. Not with money. The wealth that God wants to give us, okay, is a wealth of soul. A wealth in our soul. And I thank God because today really the, the testimonies came forward. Right? Sister Lani was sharing. You know, today Christianity can be just church. I attend church on a Sunday. I clock in my two hours. I've done with God. I've got my credit and you know, that's it. You know, that's not a relationship. That's not a relationship. A relationship is like what Sister Lani said. You know, she learned to stay back, learned to, well, you know, sometimes we are worried, right? Oh, what will people think of me? I don't know people here. You know, we get intimidated because people here are so close. And I'm not close to them. I don't know them. So, but what, what do we do? We limit ourselves. We don't discover all the wonderful things. But when she stepped out and said, you know, I want to stay back and have lunch. And now she wants to stay back <laughs> and have dinner so we can have dinner. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Because why? You see, your soul is being enriched. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You've got to understand this. This is a secret. If you understand this secret, it will give you great joy in your life. You will, you will not fear things. When you pray for healing, you will not doubt that God will not heal you. You see things differently. Okay, I'd like to hop back to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Now the Lord wanted to have a relationship with His people, the children of Israel, but they just didn't get it, right? And I've mentioned in previous talks, why? Because they grew out of Egypt, they were slaves. They only know how to think as slaves. They look at the world in terms of a slave, right? And they didn't understand how God wanted to love them, how God took pleasure in them. They didn't understand that. All they did was complain, complain, complain. When things didn't fall their way, they complained. Right? This is wrong. That is wrong. And then they blamed everybody around them because their mentality was a mentality of a slave. Right? What we want to read here is what God desired. Right? He wanted them to know His heart. The joy of the Lord is about knowing God's heart for you. Alright? But you see, the children of Israel had to go through a process. They had to go through and try and, God was trying to filter out things. He was trying to, He took them out of Egypt, but He had to filter Egypt out of them. And so it's the same when you come to the Lord. We come to the Lord with all our ideas of religion, our ideas of God, our idea of Christians, our idea of church, and God says, no, you've got to get rid of it. You've got to let the old man die. You've got to repent. If you don't, okay, you're going to limit that relationship that you can have with him. You've got to let go. Alright? So, we read here in, in chapter 8, we're going to read from verse... Um, uh, okay. Verse 14, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through 
the great and terrible wilderness. You know, the Lord brought them through the wilderness, right? Why? Because you see, he had to filter out Egypt from their heart. And God now, if you want to know the joy of the Lord and understand how that is your strength, all of us need to go through this filtration process, so to speak. All right? And one is pride. Pride. Pride blinds us. And the children of Israel couldn't tell the difference because, you know, they were filled full of pride. When you're angry, actually, it's pride. Right? When you're hateful, it's pride. Okay? Working in us is the flesh. But anyway, verse 15. Who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty, uh, and thirsty land where there was no water, who, who brought water for you out of the flinty rocks, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know. You know, they, they had this miracle. They were out in the wilderness. There was no food, nothing. Every morning they woke up, God would give them food from heaven, manna, and they could only gather enough for the day. If they gather extra, the next day it will just be, it'll be rotten, it'll be spoiled. Except for the Sabbath, they could gather for two days. There was this miracle. They were walking in the, in the wilderness for 40 years. Their shoes never worn off. They were walking in the night. There was a pillar of fire. They were walking in the day. There was a cloud covering them. They were sheltered. But you know, they never saw all that. They never appreciated all that. Okay? They never, they, all they did was complain, complain, complain. Right? So anyway, that he might humble you and that you might that he might test you to do good in the end. Okay, so God wanted to test them. Test them is not to test whether you fail or pass. That's our idea of test. Test is to show you, to show you the difference. When you go through a test, you're showing the difference, right? You understand or don't understand, right? Correct? So God was trying to show them, you see, where is your heart? You don't understand, right? Verse 17, then you say in, in your heart, my power and the might of my hand had gained me this wealth. So, you see, it was their pride. They think that they could achieve things or they went through the, the wilderness on their own strength and they didn't understand the strength of the Lord. They didn't understand the joy of the Lord. They didn't understand that. They didn't understand God's heart for them. So what I'm trying to drive at today, the most important thing, if you want to have a real relationship with God, put yourself aside. Try to think or understand what God's heart is for you. When you, whatever you go through. He purposely brought them through the wilderness. He wanted to show them his heart for them that no matter how difficult, no matter what situation they're in, he would always be there. He would never leave them. He would never forsake them. But they never saw it. They only saw the problems. Right? Verse 18, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. It is He to give, who gives you power to get wealth. Okay? That He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers as it is uh, this day. Right? Then it shall be if you if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify uh, against you this day that you shall surely perish. That today, you know, we are the ones that will lose out if we don't get it, if we don't understand it. It is God, okay, that gives you the power, the means to get wealth. And all the people say, I'm not talking about money here. Don't think of money as wealth. A lot of people in, in Thailand, that's what they, I said, you know, what is wealth? A lot of people, money. Because they want money, right? Most religion people go to, they pray for money. Money is not wealth. Money can be a form of wealth. But today I can tell you, your cash money that you know is fake. Right? You know how much cash was printed by the uh, US government after 2008? It's frightening. You know what? Singapore government, no difference. Okay, I'll try and do a talk for that and put the charts to show you. Cash today is fake. It's all printed. Right? 
wealth is something that cannot be destroyed. It cannot be destroyed. Uh, you know, it, you, you, can, you can only lose it if you don't know what it is. God wants to give us a wealth of soul, of mind, of peace, of joy, right? No fear. We will talk about that in a later discussion, etc., maybe in the camp, etc. But I just want to put you into this picture so that we can't understand, we can understand now how the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. Okay, so next point I'd like to go to, uh, I'd like to go to John. Sorry, Exodus, since you're here. Exodus chapter 3, 34. We know in the Bible that this man, Moses, had a relationship with God. But you know, he grew in stages. In the beginning, God called him. He was very unsure. You know, God spoke to him through a, a burning bush. And God says, I'm going to appoint you to save my people. And he had a lot of doubts, right? He had a lot of doubts. So who am I? You know, people uh, look down on me. My own people look down on me. You know, I ran away from, from Egypt. But God says, no, I appointed you. So you see, his understanding, his perception of God was limited. And that limited how God could use him. But eventually, praise the Lord, he stepped out, he stepped out, he stepped out. And through all those miracles, it opened his mind. It opened his heart to understand that God really called him. God really wanted wanted to use him. And so it's the same today. When you are born again and you're spirit-filled, you must understand God really called you. God really chose you. It's true. And all the people say. But if you don't believe that, then you're the one that's going to lose out. Right? God wants you to be blessed. And God wants you to use you to bless other people. You see? So, what we're coming here to is the next stage where now, after, you know, God was giving them the Ten Commandments because the children of Israel didn't get it. Moses went up to uh, the mount and he was with God for 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't have to eat, he didn't have to drink, he didn't have to worry about all that. Okay, right? No keto diet and all that sort of thing. No intermittent fasting. <laughs> right? But he came down and he was a wealthy man. His face was shining, but the children of Israel didn't get it. They were making a calf, uh, a, a golden calf with all their gold, etc. Idolatry. Right? And God was angry with them because idolatry makes you poor. Idolatry makes you poor. That's religion. Okay, so anyway, Moses got angry, broke the, the, the tablets he was carrying that God wrote, the Ten Commandments. Now he's got to go, go, go up again. This is round two, right? But you see, Moses now must have realized, you see, he himself didn't understand enough of God. And he was asking God, say, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. What's the glory? What's the glory? You know, people think of glory, bright light, la. you see someone with a bright light, la. hey, look, la. <laughs> Okay, the glory, uh, okay, you look at it, it means uh, the essence of God, the essence of His goodness. You got to understand the essence of God's goodness. You got to see His heart so that you can be confident in your relationship with Him. And so God was going to reveal Himself now to um, uh, Moses. Okay, we sing that in his presence, a beautiful Chinese song. But now God was trying to desc- is describing himself to Moses. And God now is describing himself to you and I. What sort of God he is. Okay? So we're gonna read here in verse uh, verse five. Uh thirty four verse five. Okay. Uh now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So now, God was proclaiming his name. Name means, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. When you got a name, you stand for something, right? God is saying, this is who I am. You must now see who I am. He says there, verse 6, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, uh, the Lord God, who is merciful, and gracious and long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercies for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So Moses made haste and bowed his head towards, towards the earth 
and worship. Moses could only worship God after he now understood God's quality, his heart. Okay? So what are these things? There's about seven important things that you need to know here. He says there, okay, the Lord, uh, uh, the Lord is merciful. God is full of mercy and all the people say. God didn't create this world just to destroy us. God didn't create this world so that you, because you fail on, on something, God's going to be disappointed with you. He's not like man. God is full of mercy. The Bible says His mercies are new every morning for His, for us, for you and I, and all the people say. He knows you are not going to be perfect. The problem is if you think you're going to be perfect, you're going to disappoint yourself and disappoint Him. That's the problem. And you think everybody else is going to have to be perfect according to your idea of what perfection, you will be, will be very disappointed with people also. God is full of mercy because He knows we need mercy. Mercy is something now you, you deserve to get punished, but you don't get it. You don't get punished. He's merciful. Right? That's His heart. Alright? Next one. He's gracious. Is gracious. What's gracious? We know gracious means favor. You didn't earn it. It's something you can never earn. Right? You can never earn salvation. You can never earn. You do not deserve forgiveness. Jesus paid the price for you. God is gracious. Not graceful, uh, sometimes graceful. He doesn't dance around like ballet dancer. Please, uh, there's a difference between graceful and gracious. Uh. God is gracious. Right? And He's especially gracious to His children. Favor. God, okay, favors His people. You may not deserve it. People may think you don't deserve it. You don't worry what people think. You think what God tells you how he thinks towards you. He is gracious. And all the people say. The next one. Okay. He is long-suffering. Long-suffering. He will suffer long, long for you. Sometimes you don't get it. Sometimes we are slow. Uh, sometimes we may be a bit bodo. Yeah. Right? But you know, we get angry with people who are slow, right? We get angry with people who are bodo, right? And God says, no, I'm long-suffering. I will wait. And I will wait and I'll find the ways for you to learn. And I will suffer. Okay? Because that's how he suffers. Heartache. Right? Sometimes heartache. Right? Well, I'll tell you ten times, still don't get it. Right? But he's long-suffering. He's long-suffering towards his children. He's long-suffering towards you and I. And you want to help others. To be wealthy, then you got to have these qualities too. You got to be patient with people. If we are not, then we don't understand God. We don't understand the wealth He gives given us. He is, it says there, abounding in goodness, abounding in goodness. God is unlimited in His goodness towards His people, towards us, and all the people say, God is good. Right? Even to the people who don't believe Him, even to people who don't want to know Him, He's still good to them. He still gives them, the Bible says, you know, right? Food to eat, air. He gives us everything so that we can live. But more so, if you are now born again, how much more? God says He will show you all His goodness. And all the people say. And if you understand that, then that makes you wealthy. If you understand that, you help the next person to become wealthy, to trust in God's goodness, to know God's goodness. It's so, no, it's not, so it's not about your goodness, it's His goodness. Right? These are things we need to discover and hopefully in the camp we can talk a bit more. He's abounding in truth. God is abounding in truth. He, he doesn't, He hates lies. He hates lies. When God is truth here, he, he puts everything in our... Sometimes we have to face it. You know, sometimes there's things that, about us that are ugly, that are really not good. And God says, He's a God of truth. He's not to put us down, but He says, look, that is wrong. That is ugly. 
There's a wrong way to think. There's a wrong way to behave. There's a wrong way to, to, to conduct yourself. Get rid of it. Right? He will not, uh, he's not a God of lies. But today, unfortunately, you know, Christianity out there, they, they, they deal with lies. All sorts of lies. And God said, no, no, you don't bring these lies into, into his church, into his people. Right? So, the next thing. Verse 7, keeping mercies for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgressions and sins. Okay? So God's mercy, He wants to forgive. He desires to forgive. But He can only forgive when we face the truth. When we are repentant, when we recognize where we are wrong, how we are wrong. Because He's a God that is just. A God of Justice. God of justice, I mean, he just wants vengeance. God of justice means, you see, he wants truth. He wants truth. He wants truth in all of us. He wants to free us from living a lie. Right? That's how he loves us. Okay? Think about these things. And by no means clearing the guilty. Okay? Visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children and children's children into the third and fourth generation. So what that means today, if we live a lie and carry a lie, it will affect our lives, it will affect our children. Right? And I was sharing that, if I carried my father's sins with me, okay, and I live by those sins, then my children will suffer by those sins. The anger, the frustration, not that I didn't get angry, I did get angry, but I had to control myself, learn to say, that's wrong, I've got to stop that. Right? So, you know, God is a God that is just, that is loving, okay, that's true. There's a, a very clear picture here of this God that we have come to know. And this picture now gives us the kind of relationship God says He wants to have with us. It's a truthful relationship. It's a relationship based on love and mercy, based on forgiveness, but it also means today we got to take responsibility. Unfortunately, outside the idea of grace and hyper-grace, you don't have to take responsibility. Everything God just going to drop in your lap. No. You've got to take responsibility of yourself, of your walk, or the way you think. Okay? How we limit God. God wants to free us. Okay? Praise the Lord. Alright, I need to go to John chapter 17. There's many, many different areas to talk about. I just want to paint a picture for you here so that hopefully we can think about these things for this month and by the time we go into camp, we're going to be, so many things we're going to be sharing with the saints, sharing with each other in camp. That's why camp is such a wonderful time. Alright. Now, the next thing that we got to recognize, Jesus came 2,000 years ago to personify God and to personify God's love for us. Right? Personify means today he came and you could see him. Alright? The disciples tasted that relationship. The disciples had that relationship with Jesus. They didn't understand it fully, but eventually they began to. After they got baptized, they received the Holy Spirit. So today is the same for us. Okay, you may not have met Jesus in person 2,000 years ago, but today when you got the Holy Spirit, the person of Jesus comes into you and I, and all the people say. But it's not just the person of Jesus coming into you and I, it is now everything that, you know, God talks about is His love that comes into us. His love comes to free us, come to us, to have this intimate relationship with us. And God says, don't fear me. But you see, if you fear God and you run away from God, that's what they did, the, the, Bible says the light came into darkness and darkness comprehended it not and darkness ran away. Today, people run away from the light. They run away from the truth. They run away from God's love. And so, they stay in darkness. Jesus came to personify, to show us now how it, how it feels to know Him. Okay? So, in, we read in verse 6, I have manifested your name to the men. I revealed to the men who you are, what, you, what your heart is to mankind. 
I mean, he's talking here to, of course, to the disciples about disciples. Whom you have given me out of this world, they were yours. You gave them to me and they have now kept your word. So keeping the word today is not just memorizing God's word. It's when you read this Bible and you read this word, you begin to see God's heart. See God's heart. Don't just be a parrot and memorize the word. You know, you have a lot of parrots running around, you know, but so what? You can memorize God's word, but you don't understand how it means. You don't, it, it doesn't affect you. It doesn't change you. It's meant to change your heart so that you know his heart. Okay? Verse uh, 11. I'm just skipping through. You can go back and read through chapter 17. It's a very good chapter to read. Okay? What Jesus was praying for us here. Verse 11. Now I'm no longer in the world. But these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. So now, Jesus knew he was preparing, he's going to die. He says, I'm going to come back to you. But, you know, I left behind a picture. I left behind an experience to these people, so that they can come to know who you really are. They can come and taste this relationship with you. They can understand the intimacy because Jesus was so intimate with his father. Right? Jesus knew the heart of his father. He came to show us this heart. Goes further. Okay. Uh, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me that I, that they may be one. So you see, the desire of Jesus and the desire of God is that we can be of one heart with them. One heart. Satu hati. When you know someone's heart, you become one with that person. That's God's desire. Right? So in other words, all that is available for us today. Next verse, I'd like to read in, is in verse 26. Okay, I'm just skipping through. Like I say, go back and read it through, but I'm just trying to give you the essence of all these things. In verse 26, it says there, And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, okay, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. The Holy Spirit now brings this love to us. The Bible says the love of God is shed abroad upon your hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's why you're born again. Born again is new creation, yes, but born again, born again with a new heart. I'd like to read to you a different translation, uh, from another translation that I've been reading a lot from. Uh, let me read to you this translation, verse 26, okay, it's in a TPT. I have revealed to them who you are. And I will continue to make you even more real to them. How? When Jesus came and you were filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus came to you, right? So it hasn't stopped. You know, Jesus saying, I might have died and gone to heaven, but it hasn't stopped. Now the means is available. The Holy Spirit is coming to you. And Jesus says, I'm, I'm just going to keep on revealing to you. I want to keep on showing you. I want to keep changing your heart. Right? Because it will give you great strength. You need to know the joy of, of the Father for you. How much pleasure He takes in you. Okay? It says there, So that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me. For your love will, will now live in them even as I live in them. Wow! It's mind-blowing! Right? But you see, this can only now come together when, okay, firstly, you understand what his desire is. His desire is for you, for me. You stop doubting it. Start believing it. Start wanting to build upon it. Start developing it. Start walking with him. And you can only understand these things when you serve him, when you put time aside, like I say, pray, read, fellowship. Give. Right? That's how we grow. Right? My time is running out, but I just want to get that across to all of us first. That's so important. Okay? So, 
the joy of the Lord is our strength. What is strength? It's not physical strength. The word strength in uh, the Old Testament, in the book of Nehemiah, okay, uh, let me uh, read it out for you. In the Strong's Concordance, okay, it says there, a fortified place, a defense, a stronghold. Okay, put it in simple English. A place that you fall back on. A place that you fall back on. Have you been so hurt before in your life that there's a place that you want to run to that you feel safe? Right? Maybe it's your room. Maybe there's a secret place that you go to. Some of us are lucky. You may have a close friend that you run back to, that you can talk, that you can rely on. The joy of the Lord is your strength, is our strength. He is the one that now you can fall back on and all the people say. When you disappoint yourself, when other people disappoint you, when people despise you, He is the one you need to fall back on because that's where you'll find strength in your life. Pastor Andy came out with it in Psalms 138 verse 3, right? He gives you strength in your soul. The joy of the Lord will give you strength in your soul to face whatever difficulties, whatever disappointment that you're going to have in your life. Because it will happen. The joy of the Lord will give you the strength when you are sick or the doctor, you know, I mean, I, I, in, in Thailand, I drop in on a friend. He's supposed to be a Christian, but he's not spirit-filled. He's a very brilliant man. He's a, a, a lecturer and he, he actually... Um, uh, is a world-renowned uh, expert on bioplastics. So I've been trying to witness to him for a number of years. He's like 75 or 6. And uh, the doctor told him he had bone cancer and he only lived for 3 months. So I went to visit him and he, he just broke down. He's a very, you know, happy man, strong man, but he just broke down when that, he was told about that. And I was trying to help him to focus. I said, you know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You keep thinking about what the Lord is telling you. Stop thinking about what the doctor is telling you. That's how, that's a secret. That's how you're going to get your miracles. You listen to God. But you listen to His heart. Not just His words. You listen to His heart. Okay? So the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's a secret. If you understand this secret, it unlocks Miracles. It unlocks fear. Release you from your fear. Release you from helplessness. Hopelessness. It releases you from past frustrations. The joy of the Lord must be your strength. And all the people say. Let's uh, go to... Um, oh, time's almost up. Okay, I got to go to... Uh, let's go to Psalms... Uh, sorry, since we are here, uh, still here. Um, uh, John 17, verse 3. Yeah? I need to look at this. This is eternal life. This is eternal life. What is it? Live forever? That's how we think, right? No. It says here, this is eternal life. That you may know, okay, that they may know you and the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. If you know God's heart and you know Jesus' heart, it's like living forever. It's like living forever. It's like you'll never see death. It's like you're never ever going to fear death. You're never ever going to fear anything. This is eternal life. This is the secret. You need to know Him. It's not about knowing the name. You know, people trying to recite the name of God. <laughs> you can recite all the name of God. You still don't know God. 
Right? You got to, the name of God reveals to you His heart. You get to know His heart. You have eternal life. Time stops. Right? Wonderful thoughts. We're going to end off soon. We go to uh, Psalms 28. Verse 6. Blessed be the Lord, because He has heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him. And I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. And with my song, I will praise Him. God is dealing with the heart. He's not dealing with the mind. He's dealing with your heart. Is your heart there with Him? When you pray, is your heart engaged? When you give, are you giving from your heart? You know what I mean? When you read, do you read with your heart or you read with your mind? The Lord is my strength. The word strength there, my refuge. The place that I feel most secure. The place that I find peace. The face place that I can grow from, I can develop. And today, that's what God wants. God wants us to rebuild ourselves, our life, our thinking, our heart, our relationships to Him. When we can do that, then we can give. We can help others to really be wealthy. Then we discover what wealth is in all the people's name. 